This is episode 54 of Teacher Approved. You're listening to Teacher Approved, the podcast helping educators elevate what matters and simplify the rest. I'm Heidi. And I'm Emily. We're the creators behind Second Story Window, where we give research-based and teacher-approved strategies that make teaching less stressful and more effective. You can check out the show notes and resources from each episode at secondstorywindow.net. We're so glad you're tuning in today. Let's get to the show. Hey there, thanks for joining us today. In today's episode, we're tackling six common myths about the science of reading. We start our episodes with a morning message, just like we used to do at morning meetings in our classroom. This week's morning message is, when did you realize you were one of the more seasoned teachers? How about you, Heidi? (laughs) Well, it didn't take very long for me. My second year of teaching, I moved to a new school. And obviously, my second year, I had taught a year at that point. And then another teacher on the team, Karen, had taught a year. And there were two first-year teachers, and that was our whole second-grade team. (laughs) So I was the seasoned teacher with one year's experience. (laughs) As soon as you get a brand-new teacher on your team, you really start to feel seasoned. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) You realize just how far you've come. Emily, how about you? Well, our mom sent me a couple pictures she took when she came to help in my class on Valentine's Day, my second year of teaching in 2008. And she just sent these to me on Valentine's Day when she (laughs) saw them in her memories. And the overhead projector was right (laughs) next to me in the picture. And it reminded me not only of how archaic that was, but how much I loved that thing. (laughs) I had gotten some like cool math manipulatives that you could use on the projector. And I like those were some of my prized teacher possessions. So seeing myself in that photo that looked so dated was a real slap (laughs) in the face. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If you had an overhead projector, you were definitely a seasoned teacher. (laughs) We have some awesome responses from our community. Tracy said, well, last year when I'm older than my coworkers' parents. Oh, ouch. (laughs) That is a painful one. (laughs) Stephanie said, when my instructional assistant said, you're the same age as my mom. Oh, great. (laughs) Amber said, when one of my former students teaches on my team with me now. That would be painful. (laughs) Hope you did a good job. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) Lauren said, when I got a student teacher, are you sure I'm the one they are supposed to be with? (laughs) Oh, I remember that moment. Like, I don't know enough to help someone else with this. Right. Charity said, I'm on my ninth year of teaching, and I just realized this year that I know what I'm doing now. (laughs) That sounds about right. Beverly said, when I was afraid of the new smart boards we were getting. (laughs) But now she loves it, so don't worry. Michelle said, I am really old. A mimeograph machine that made the purple copies. Oh, wow. Like... I grew up using them, but never had that as a teacher. Right. Don said, when I was one of the only ones who knew what mailbox magazines were. (laughs) Okay. I follow mailbox magazines on Instagram, surely for the nostalgia. (laughs) I had a collection of those. Uh, That's where you could find things. We we had to teach before TPT, you guys. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We earned our stripes. And then Carla said, when I didn't go to morning briefings simply because I didn't want to, and you know there will be no repercussions. And I learned that from Miss Heidi here. (laughs) There was a certain meeting at the beginning of the school year that we all hated to go to. And my second year of teaching, I was just freaking out about not having time to go. And Heidi was like, well, if you don't go, what would happen? And I was like, wait, we could do that? And guess what? There were no repercussions. No one even even noticed. That's the thing. No one even noticed I wasn't there. Now they probably take roll call because of us. No, we we, we broke, broke it. it. 
We'd love to have you join the conversation over in our Teacher Approved Facebook group. Now it's time for the feedback of the week, and we're sharing a recent podcast review from Mrs. K's class. She says, I have been listening to the podcast for a year. I love the ideas that Emily and Heidi share. The tip that they give at the end of each episode is very easy to implement right away. Yay, that's our goal. I also love the question that they start each episode like they would have done in morning meeting in their classroom. Thank you so much for that feedback, Mrs. K. As a reminder, if we share your review on the podcast, send us an email so we can send you a little surprise as a thank you. So, Mrs. K, thank you for that review, and please send us an email at hello at secondstorywindow.net. And yes, it's a mouthful. Sorry about that. Today, we are diving into the waters of SOR. If you've somehow missed all the talk, SOR stands for Science of Reading, and it's become part buzzword, part rallying cry, part catch-all term for the body of scientific research surrounding reading. I started the education program in the year 2000. I know it's been a minute since then. (laughs) It does make it easy to figure out how many years it's been, though. Yeah, that's nice. My professors would talk about the reading debates of the 90s, and you would think they had been through a war. (laughs) But they assured us it was all okay now. They had saved the day by taking the best ideas from the whole language camp and taking the best ideas from the phonics camp and blending them into this new approach. They called it balanced literacy because it wasn't polarized on either side of the debate. They had solved the reading wars. Oh, if only. (laughs) (laughs) So I was taught balanced literacy and that's what I taught my students. I taught them using balanced literacy. We did writer's workshop and reading benchmarks and word walls. All of the things that happen in a good balanced literacy classroom. I was on it. Well, most of the things. I was never good at shared reading. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. Or, oh, yeah, some of the writing too. Okay. <laughs> a lot of I tried. Things. I had good intentions. <laughs> and, of course, we went to the same university and we taught in the same district. So my second grade classroom looked essentially the same as yours did, Heidi. <laughs> I felt like we were the enlightened ones fresh out of college, new on the scene, and ready to do all the guided reading and writer's workshops. And it was just going to be amazing. And our experiences are probably pretty similar to any teacher who has graduated in the past two decades. We did what we had been taught to do because we were assured this was the way that kids learn to be literate. I definitely felt like we had the secret keys to teaching reading. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought so too. And then in 2017, journalist Emily Hanford started investigating how children learn to read. She started pulling at some of the threads in the balanced literacy sweater, starting with the MSV system you might be familiar with. She pointed out that that MSV queuing system wasn't actually supported by any research, but was instead based on an idea from a few influential people in education. So then people started pulling at other balanced literacy threads until there wasn't much left of that sweater. And now balanced literacy is turning into a bit of a curse word in education. In place of balanced literacy, people have started advocating for more research-backed practices. And that is where the science of reading, or SOR, seemed to arrive on the scene. And that brings us to today's discussion. Instead of just getting into an overwhelming discussion about the ins and outs of SOR, we're going to dive into six of the most common myths about SOR, starting with this one. 
the science of reading is new. Heidi, why don't you tell us a little about that myth? So there is a very robust body of research from the past 50 years and even earlier that examines how people learn to read. Some of it was known before balanced literacy was developed, but people chose to ignore or suppress what didn't align with their own theories of reading development. So while the information isn't new, it might, maybe even it probably does feel new because many of us are just now learning about research findings from decades ago. If you are someone who feels like this just came out of nowhere, don't feel bad. It's the term science of reading that is new, not the research. Which brings us to myth number two. The science of reading is one specific book or program. Okay, so maybe this is just me. (laughs) And maybe no one else has had this problem. But when I first heard people talking about science of reading, I was curious. So I went to Amazon to buy the book. And I couldn't find any books with that title. I could find a lot of books that referenced it, but not like the main science of reading book. So I assumed... It must be some kind of box curriculum or a textbook program that some schools were really passionate about. And I wasn't going to pay for that. So I just let it drop. But then SOR kept popping up in places. And Emily, I think you were the one that finally set me straight. Well, I definitely felt a little confused when I first started hearing that term batted around because I just wasn't sure what people meant when they said the science of reading. I wasn't sure either if it was a curriculum or what. And to be honest, I initially ignored the talk because it felt like the latest trendy buzzword. And we really try not to be the sort of people who are jumping on the latest bandwagon unless there's research behind it. So then I finally took some time to figure out what SOR was all about. And I was relieved to realize that the science of reading is just the body of research around reading. We already love that. Yay, research. (laughs) But when people talk about SOR, the biggest talking point seems to revolve around phonics specifically, which is our third myth that the science of reading is only about phonics. While research definitely highlights the need for more robust, systematic phonics instruction, SOR takes in every facet of reading, comprehension, spelling, vocabulary, fluency. Yeah, if it's literacy, it falls under SOR. I've been thinking about like why phonics is so hot right now, and I think there are a few reasons for that. First, some balanced literacy classrooms have traditionally been light on their phonics instruction. I mean, I know I taught phonics every day, but a survey in 2019 found that a huge percentage, like 80% of first grade and kindergarten teachers weren't teaching any phonics at all. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And that highlights one of the weaknesses of balanced literacy. In a balanced literacy class, a lot of what is taught is up to the teacher's discretion, and it's not necessarily supported by data. That was shocking for me to hear, too. I had no idea that many balanced literacy classrooms were not explicitly teaching phonics, because we definitely were, so I assumed what we were doing was what everybody was doing. And I think another reason that phonics is currently in the spotlight is that it's an area that is pretty well-researched. For the most part, there's a clear progression and a certain set of skills that need to be mastered that makes it easier to learn about and teach in comparison to some other areas where there's just less research to draw from. Calling all elementary teachers, we need your help. We are collecting the best teacher-approved tips from the most amazing teachers we know. That's you! If you have a teacher-approved tip you'd like to share with our audience, please send it to hello 
at secondstorywindow.net. Or if you really want to earn extra credit, we would love if you sent us a voice recording that we can play on the podcast. Just identify yourself with your first name and your teaching role and then share your tip. You can head to speakpipe.com slash teacher approved to leave your voice recording and you will find the links to submit your tip in the show notes of this episode. And while it's clear that balanced literacy has definite weaknesses, we want to highlight myth number four, which is that everything we were doing in the name of balanced literacy was bad. I don't know if other fields are like this, but in education, as you may have noticed, there is a definite tendency to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We joke about those wild pendulum swings in education, and yet we find ourselves doing it all the time. I think because we all want the best for our students. So if we hear something we think is better, it's really easy to just start running that direction and throwing out everything else. I felt a little resistant to SOR at the start for this very reason. I didn't want to just burn it all down and start over. Luckily, SOR isn't calling for us to abandon everything we've been doing in the past 20 years. It's just pushing us to make sure that what we continue to do has some actual data to support it. Phew. No babies going out with the bathwater here. <laughs> the worst, especially for educators. <laughs> so we should continue to design print-rich classrooms with robust libraries. We should continue to teach kids how to draft and edit their writing and then celebrate when they share a piece they've published. Those are gifts from balanced literacy, and there's a lot worth keeping there. We just have to be very intentional about the pieces we choose to hold on to. I think one of the benefits of all of this talk about SOR is that it's giving us an opportunity to take every part of what we do in the classroom out of the toolbox and examine it and decide if it's something worth keeping or not. And that should always be our focus as educators. Our fifth myth is that research can tell us today everything we need to know to teach reading or math or theoretical physics. (laughs) But unfortunately, that is just not the case in any area. New studies are published all the time, and we have to be flexible enough to adapt to new information. And that is difficult to do sometimes. It's hard to loosely hold important ideas because we know there are real negative consequences if we get things wrong. So we invest a lot in learning the right way, quote unquote, to teach. Which can make new ideas feel threatening. We have to welcome the vulnerability of changing when we learn new information, unless we want to find ourselves locked in Reading Wars 3 in 2040. (laughs) Reading Wars 3 sounds like the next big (laughs) HBO Max hit. Is Reese Witherspoon going to be in that one? (laughs) Here's a word of caution when it comes to change. Since research hasn't clearly identified best practices for every single situation, A lot of what we do still comes down to teacher judgment. Yep. And that brings us to our final myth, which is anything labeled the science of reading aligns with the research. Sadly, not everything that claims to align with SOR actually does. As educators, we have to know enough about learning to be able to separate the sheep from the goats. I just saw an example of this yesterday. So I got an ad for a product that claimed to help kids decode short vowel CBC words. So there are words like man, pit, fog. Awesome. And ball. Oh, no. (laughs) And if you just look at the word, it seems like ball fits that short vowel pattern, but it does not. (laughs) The A says ah instead of the short A ah. 
But a lot of teachers are just going to see that this product claims to be decodable and think that that must be true. And that's why we need good teachers who will be able to wisely make decisions on what's the best for their students and not just go along with whatever they hear on the internet. Check out the research yourself and then choose the materials and guidance that aligns best with what we know. Make the best decision you can for your specific students. You are the teacher here and we trust you. Even if it doesn't feel like your admin (laughs) trusts you, we trust you. And stay open to the idea of more change in the future as we continue to learn more about the best way to teach reading. New information is going to come out. You're going to look back and see things you did that you wish you had done differently. That's just part of the process of being a teacher, unfortunately, but it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong as long as you're doing your best you can right now. We are really all at different places along this science of reading path. If, like us, you spent a lot of years teaching balanced literacy, we want to acknowledge that this might be a really painful discussion. Maybe you're feeling defensive right now. Maybe you're angry or hurt or all of those feelings rolled into one squirmy knot in your stomach. Oh my gosh. Listening to the podcast Sold a Story made me physically ill. It was really easy to just feel so much guilt for doing what we were told to do. We were, we were told that that was the right thing for our students. It's what our college professors taught us. It's what the literacy specialists in our districts came and modeled for us. We were doing what we thought was the best. And then to hear that that wasn't the case, it, it felt terrible. Yeah, I'm gut-wrenching is the term I just keep coming back to. Like it is gut-wrenching to find out that there were opportunities that I missed and maybe I did some things that actually caused harm. And if you are in that boat, please just know you are not alone. I just want to say, and give yourself credit, you probably did a really good job with the information available to you. And I just think we need to be careful to not be too hard on ourselves. And if you were feeling some of that turmoil right now, we highly recommend the book, Shifting the Balance, Six Ways to Bring the Science of Reading into the Balanced Literacy Classroom. It takes a clear look at balanced literacy practices and the ways that they can be improved, but it also offers teachers a lot of grace. It understands that teachers are just trying to do what was best for their students based on what we knew to do. I loved that book. It was such an approachable way to get started with SOR, especially for those of us with a background in balanced literacy. If you're young and you don't have that background, good for you. (laughs) (laughs) So let's recap the six takeaways for you about the science of reading. Number one, the science of reading is not new. Number two, the science of reading is not a specific book, program, or curriculum. It is just the body of research about reading. Number three, the science of reading is about all facets of literacy, phonics, phonemic awareness, reading comprehension, fluency, vocabulary, writing, the whole shebang. All the fun stuff. (laughs) If it's literacy, it's science of reading. Number four, not every component of balanced literacy is bad. Number five, we need to make space for future research that will continue to change the way we teach reading. And number six, not everything labeled SOR actually aligns with the research. So be sure to do your own evaluation of the resources you see labeled as SOR. If you have made changes in your teaching based on SOR research, will you help us out and come share it in our Teacher Approved Facebook group? We would love to hear what you've changed and why and cheer each other on as we figure out what the next decade of teaching reading should look like. Now let's talk about this week's teacher-approved tip. 
Each week, we leave you with a small, actionable tip that you can apply in your classroom today. This week's teacher-approved tip is start small. So we hope that you are wanting to learn more about the science of reading so that you can make the most impactful decisions for your class. But if this is all new or you are coming at this from a balanced literacy background, please just start with something small. Despite what people on the internet say, you don't need to master the entire scope of the science of reading in one day. Yeah. (laughs) So just pick a small way to wade into the SOR pool. Read a blog post, listen to a podcast episode, or follow someone on Instagram to start your SOR learning journey. Or you can pick up one of the many books available about the science of reading. The book Shifting the Balance that we just mentioned is a great place to start. It's an easy read and full of meaningful takeaways. To wrap up the show, we are sharing what we're giving extra credit to this week. Emily, what are you giving extra credit to? Well, this feels a little like old news, but I'm giving extra credit to the movie Matilda on Netflix, the new one with Emma Thompson. Oh, I haven't watched that one. We watched it for family movie night a few weeks ago, and we really all enjoyed it, which is rare for us (laughs) with the ages my kids are at. Usually the youngest can't keep track of the movie or the oldest is bored. So this was the magic, perfect movie that engaged all of us. I was even engrossed by it. (laughs) Truly, I have actually never seen the musical. So the musical aspect of it was new to me. And it's so well cast. The Miss Honey. Oh my gosh. The Miss Honey in this movie is so perfect. I I love her. I want her to be my teacher. (laughs) And my youngest has been into the soundtrack ever since we watched it. So if you need a family movie night option, I highly recommend Matilda. How about you, Heidi? What's your extra credit? I am giving extra credit to the show Traders on Peacock. <laughs> our parents got hooked on it to the point that our dad is watching the original Dutch version. The benefits of being <laughs> able to speak Dutch. Yes. So I went to watch it and of course got sucked right into it too. I just have the finale left. I watched like four episodes yesterday. And of course, I didn't even think about the consequences of that because I was dreaming Traders all night. Woke up at some point and like was dreaming that they were conspiring over a bowl of soup, (laughs) (laughs) which the show is much more entertaining than soup, but my brain, my brain was trying to work it out, but it is a very fun, just an escapist TV show. If you want to get sucked into something. Well, remember how I canceled Peacock like two weeks ago and I just told you that? And I was like, well, I bet I can still watch it with commercials. No, you have to have the paid Peacock to watch this. So I'm going to have to restart yet another streaming service. I know, but I really want to watch it. So so I probably will. Go back to the free version? (laughs) No, you can. It's just this show is not available on the free versions. I guess not all shows are. I didn't. Well, I have the free version. Well, maybe it is because I paid for it then. I don't know. I'll have to go investigate because when I tried and I was logged in and I it was like, pay, like upgrade your account again so you can watch this. And I was like, why? Shady. <sighs> One more streaming service to pay for. Right. <laughs> That's it for today's episode. Remember these six myths as you dive into the science of reading. And don't forget our teacher-approved tip to start small to avoid overwhelm while you learn more about SOR. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love if you shared it with a teacher friend who might enjoy it as well. It's the best way to help our show reach new listeners. And be sure to check out our show notes for links to anything we mentioned in this episode. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Teacher Approved. I'm Heidi. And I'm Emily. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow or subscribe in your podcast app so that you never miss an episode. You can connect with us and other teachers in the Teacher Approved Facebook group.
We'll see you here next week. Bye for now. Bye.